So we started last week a series that I, I told you when we started this sermon series that it was not necessarily going to be very profound, um, and yet it resonated with quite a few people. I had quite a few people come and talk to me or in conversations over the week of of what they heard, um, and so profound maybe in relative terms uh, with regards to uh, the impact that a sermon series like this can have, but it certainly is one that I believe will resonate uh, with each and every one of us as we think about the words that we say, um, what difference they make uh, in the world that we live in. Uh, and I shared with you that we're going to be, uh, as we go through this sermon series, we have a, a living analogy or living metaphor in front of us. So if you're here today for the first time, you weren't here last week, and you're looking at the plants going, they're not what you would think would be the decorations maybe. Um, uh, let me explain to you what we're doing is we have two plants very similar um, they're in the same pots, they're in the same soil, but this plant, I am trying, and, and I do say that, you know, you know, honest, trying to keep alive. Uh, I'm trying my best to nurture this plant, uh, to, to love on this plant. I actually do come in and talk to the plant, say good things to the plant, um, and, and doing everything I can to nurture and love on this plant. Um, this plant, I am not doing anything to. In fact, I'm putting it in a dark room. Uh, it gets no light. It gets no water. Uh, it does not get the love uh, that that plant gets. Uh, I haven't really found myself like talking bad to the plant yet, but that may come if it doesn't wilt more than it does. Um, but but this is my bad plant, and so I, I, and and you stop and look and go I, again. I told y'all last week I wanted it to be wilted a little more last week, so I really wanted it to be like really bad this week. And it's not quite as much as I had hoped. So this is kind of the plant that I need to put in my yard because it's hard to kill. Uh, but, but if you look close, you may not be able to see that from the back, but there are already beginning to have dead leaves on this plant. And so it's beginning to, to wilt and to die. Now, I did have a few people, so let me address this. I had a few people come to me and say, they wanted to find the plant, and they wanted to know where my secret place was because they wanted to come water the plant. Uh, I had several who were very interested in why I was I heartless in the fact that I was killing part of God's creation. Um, so let me say this. If that's you this morning, I want you to take all of that passion and think about the words that we say to all of the people in the community around us who represent this plant because there are so many people so many kids so many young people so many adults so many senior citizens who need to have words of praise and and blessing spoken to their life and so i invite you this morning to take that passion and think about them in the words that you say um, because words do matter uh, now, I'll tell you a different image that I thought of this morning and uh, a, a different kind of working metaphor. Uh, I think about my children. You will find that in my preaching, I tend to always kind of go back to family and, and things that I see in my life to represent kind of my own relationship with God. And, and I'll tell you a couple stories about my son. He's not here today. He's not going to be here today. So I can tell him stories about him and, and Lydia. I, that way I don't want to embarrass her. Um, a, a couple of things that I can tell you that, that really big moments in, in, in mine and Latham's uh, history and relationships. I can remember when Latham was born. And I really remember this about both of my children. But I can remember this when Latham was born. And, and he was nursing. And I would, I would watch that and think... How amazing God is. How beautiful 
that experience was. And I think about that image of my son. In contrast to an image a few years later, Latham was a toddler, and we were at Staples, and we were walking through Staples. He was in the the little cart, and he said, I don't feel good. And I kind of like, okay. And then he kind of did this. Yeah. So if any of you have been around a child that does this, you know what is soon coming after. And you also have to know that I am a fairly cheap person. And so all of my thing, everything went through my head was, if he throws up, do I have to pay for everything that he gives throws up on? And so I did what only a mother or dad would probably do, is I held Latham in the air, closed my eyes, and let him projectile throw up on me so that my clothes would absorb everything. I tell him that story all the time that he would be the only person. And then Lydia was born. I said, but you're the only person that I would ever let do that. And, and so, but, but I tell you those images, that's the reality of, of having children, right? But I tell you those images because so many people are walking around just being honest, covered with the words that we throw up on them. So many people walking around covered with the words that we say words matter words have the power to do amazing good but words also have the power to do amazing evil robin williams is quoted as having said that words and ideas can change the world words and ideas can change the world in the book of james it likens the tongue That's what we're talking about. The words that we say, it likens the tongue to a rudder of a ship. It says that a small rudder can can turn the course of an entire ship. It also likens it to the bit that is placed in a horse's mouth. Think about the power of that animal, the size of that animal. And a small bit placed in the mouth can direct a horse which way to go, which way to turn. That's the power of the tongue. That's the power of the words that we say. We have the ability to encourage We have the ability to bless. We have the ability to pour into someone. Let me tell you something. The right right words can sustain a marriage. The right words can build up a family, can unite a family. The wrong ones can destroy it. Words matter. The rabbis of the Talmud said that the tongue is so powerful it needs two layers of defense. Teeth and lips. That's the power of the tongue. And so last week we talked about the words that we say in our families. I encourage you to really think about the words that you say with your children, your grandchildren, your siblings, your parents. Today I want us to think about it in a different way. I want us to kind of move a little bit into the community. In light of yesterday being the opening day of of recreation ministry, I want you to think about the words that we say in the community where we go. The words that we say as our kids are on ball teams. The words that we say as teachers in schools. The words that we say to the checkout counter person at at, at Food Depot. What's the words that we say in the community? Because words matter. And so we're looking at a verse in Ephesians 4, verse 29. Look at what the Bible says. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And I'm encouraging you, 
If you were here last week, we had cards on the, the pews. If you did not get a card, they're out uh, at the information table in the lobby that you're able to go and pick you up a card. I'm encouraging every person to memorize this verse over the next four weeks. Let's say it together. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So let's talk about the context of this passage. Paul is writing to this, to the church in Ephesus. Paul is writing from prison. Presumably, he's, he's in Rome. Um, and he is writing to, to the church in Ephesus. He is awaiting, he's worried about whether he is going to live or die because he's waiting the, the, uh, the decision on whether he's going to be executed or not. But as he's sitting there in prison waiting to find out whether he's going to live or die, he gets word that the church in Ephesus, that they are beginning to fight amongst themselves. Now, he's only been away from the church for a couple of months. And he had spent years, several years, in fact, in Ephesus uh, dealing with the church and, and, and raising this church up. He'd only been away from it for a couple of months, and he gets word that they're, they're fighting amongst themselves. They're tearing each other down. And so he writes to them and begs them to seek unity. In fact, in chapter 4, it starts with him saying, I want you to live out the calling, that, I mean, to live out the life worthy of the calling that you have received. And then when he says this, he goes on to say that most of this is done with the tongue, that he begs them to, to be humble, but he begs them to be humble in their speech, to be gentle in their speech. To live out this calling that's worthy of what they have received. And so he says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. But only what is helpful in building others up according to their needs. That it may benefit those who listen. And so he starts, as we talked a little bit about last week, he starts with the negative. Don't let unwholesome talk come out. And I mentioned to you last week just briefly that the word that is translated unwholesome or evil in some translations, is the word sapros. You can see that on the screen. It's the word sapros. And it comes from the food industry. Rotten. Bad. Um, here's what I equate that with. If you've ever cleaned out your refrigerator. All right, now, when my father-in-law passed away, my mother-in-law came to live with us. And about nine months, ten months after that, we decided that she was going to sell her house and move into assisted living and so we had to get her house ready they'd lived in that house for 30 some odd years so we went into the kitchen and I began to clean out the refrigerator now my mother-in-law is from the generation that where if you have a spoonful of cream corn you, you wrap it in something and you keep it right and you put it in the refrigerator if you have a, a little bit of a biscuit left you wrap it up and you put it in the refrigerator so I was cleaning out her refrigerator and I found this pan that I think was turnip greens. Um, it was, and you opened it up, and it was, it was multicolored, um, but it was really black and liquid, and it was the kind of thing when you open it up, you shut it back up real quick, and you know we're getting rid of this, we're getting rid of the pan, we're not telling anybody, we're just throwing it away. Okay, that is unwholesome talk. That's what sapros is. That's what Paul is writing, saying, do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Maybe it's better to think about what he encourages us to let 
come out of our mouths. He says, don't let unwholesome talk. Use words that will build people up. So unwholesome talk is words that will tear people down. He says, use words that some translations say that extend grace into their life. And so unwholesome talk are words that are merciless, unforgiving, unkind. Don't let that kind of language come out of your mouth. And, and folks, this is something that is universal. We have all said unkind words and we've all been the recipient of unkind words. And the truth is, it starts at an early age. I promise you, if I brought Jessica up here and got her to share with us some of the stories of the children in the children's area, you'd be amazed at what they go through on a daily basis. How many of you can remember being made fun of in elementary school? Raise your hand. If you can remember being... Raise them up for just a second. I want you to see this. Raise. We remember it. That many years later... That's how it affects us. I can remember being first or second grade, and I had huge teeth. And so they called me horse teeth. These were my friends, by the way. And, but they called me horse teeth. And so I would come home just devastated. I can remember, I don't know if I was praying or if I was just talking to my parents or if I was just crying out or whatever, but I can remember wanting my teeth to just all fall out so that I wouldn't have to be called that. So my parents decided that the solution was to get me braces. Now, braces then were a little different than braces are now, right? Braces now, you can have them. You don't even know that you have them sometimes, and they're they, they, they can be colored fashioned. I mean, they, you can have some really good-looking braces. Now, when I had braces, it was the metal braces where when you opened your mouth, you saw the rubber bands that were strapped in there. So I became metal mouse horse teeth. That was what the kids called me. This was my parents' solution, but it actually created more of a problem. It just hurt. That's just the reality of first and second grade and third grade. And I can remember in high school, we also, I grew up at a time where um, arcades were coming into fashion. And so we, you, you didn't have video games at home. You would go to the arcade and play. And we had a place in Powder Springs. It was called Bobby's. It was the only arcade around. And so every Friday and Saturday night, you spent your time at the arcade. And I can remember one night in the, in the parking lot, there was a young man that everybody was making fun of. And they were standing in a circle and they were ridiculing this young man. And I didn't join in. And I wish you could think, I could tell you it was because I was being this kind, compassionate, empathetic person. I just didn't join in because I didn't want everybody to turn on me. Unwholesome talk. Most every single one of us can probably think of some time in our life where we have been the recipient of unwholesome talk. Or... We remember a time that we were the person giving the unwholesome talk. And let me just tell you, I believe that Jesus in this passage is calling us to be different. And let me just talk to you for just a second. If you have children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, I believe Jesus is calling us to teach them to be different. 
story after story. I can promise you, I could bring Chad up here and could talk to you about your middle and your high schoolers, and they could tell you about all of the bullying that takes place in their school systems. God is calling us as people of Christ to be different. God is calling us to not use unwholesome talk. Words have power. They can crush you. They have power to be able to make you feel hopeless. Look at what it says in Matthew 12. Jesus says, the the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So whatever's coming out of your mouth is what's in your heart. Most of the time, if you're talking bad about somebody, it's because of your own insecurities. So the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted. And by your words you will be condemned. Words matter. By your words you will be acquitted. By your words you will be condemned. God's calling us. Don't you think God's calling us as followers of Christ to be different? Don't you think that God's calling us to to speak differently into into the lives of the people around us? And if you sit here this morning and you have, you yourself are the recipient. Or if you have children or grandchildren who are the recipients of this. One of the things you have to let them know is Others have come through this. You know, Justin Timberlake was told he was a sissy because he did not like sports. He liked art. And he said that he's quoted as saying as he's grown up that what he's come to realize is that the things that people make fun of when you're young are the things that people find sexy when you get older. So think about that. If, you, if, you, if you've got children and grandchildren, you can help them with that. Uh, I had a young man the other day that was um, from my last church. His mother had called me, and he was having to have some surgery, and he ended up having this huge scar that he was in front of everybody making fun of him. And I, told, I sent her back a text and just said, you need to tell him that chicks dig scars because that's what I told Latham when he got a scar, and it just seemed to be positive in his life. But, but we need to be able to remind ourselves that, that other people have gone through this. Michael Phelps is said that he was made fun of and picked on because he had big ears and a lisp. And he said now he goes back to his hometown and the bullies who made fun of him are asking him for his autograph. People have gone through this before. People have made it through this. There's hope. We need to teach our children and our grandchildren. We need to remind ourselves if we're the victims of this that, that there's hope. And folks, I wish I could tell you that this was only affected elementary schools or middle school students or high school students. But let's be honest, we do it as adults, don't we? We anonymously talk about our friends behind their backs. The Bible describes this in the early church. It's called the sin of detraction. It's talking about someone taking away their character. When you you hurt them, By the way that you speak. Slander is when we do this maliciously. When we have intent to do it. But but we also do it sometimes non-maliciously. 
We don't like to talk about it in the church. It's called gossip. The sin of detraction. Gossip and backbiting. Thomas Aquinas said that this was a mortal sin in his view because he said that when we do it, we, we tear down the character of one of God's creations and we separate ourselves from the Spirit of God. Let me tell you a practical way to think about it. Here's the way I see it is if you talk about somebody and then you add in the word but, everything after the but is a sin. Tom's a nice guy, but. Betty's a hard worker, but. Everything after that becomes sinful for us. And the truth is, every single person in this room, if we are honest, we have gossiped. Possibly today. Just being honest. There's a great story that preachers talk about that illustrates this. And I'll use their illustration because I think it works fairly well. Is There was a young lady who came to the priest to ask for forgiveness for her sin. And she said, please forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. He says, what sin have you committed? And she began to share about gossiping about her friends. And so the priest says to her, I want you to go get a pillow. She thought that was kind of a strange penance, but she said, okay. So she went home. She got the pillow. She brought it back. And she said to the priest, okay, so what do you want me to do? And he he took her and the pillow. They went up to the top of the bell tower. So now we can, can relate. Think about going up to the top of the bell tower. And he cut open the pillow. And he shook the feathers all through the top of the pillow, all out into the wind. And then he handed her the pillowcase. And he says, now go pick up all the feathers. She said, that's impossible. He said, that's the consequence of gossip. He says, you can never go back and pick up all the words that you say. How many times in your life have you said uncharitable words about someone? How many times have you have said words that tear people down? Folks, now's the time. This is the month. This is the scripture that tells us God's response. Look at it again in Ephesians 4. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. I'm trying to encourage you to be intentional. I'm trying to encourage you to, to memorize this verse, to think about it on a daily basis. What does the Scripture say? To, to put the Scripture onto our hearts, to write it into your heart so that you'll remember the next time that you're at Food Depot or in a checkout line or walking through the ballpark, working in the schools. Don't get me wrong, we're going to mess up. But the Scripture says this should be our desire. If all of us could walk out the door with a desire to not let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths. And then I want you to think about the opposite of that. I love this idea that what he says we're supposed to use our words for is to build up. The word build up in Latin is edus. It's the word that we get edification. God is encouraging us to use our words to literally build people. 
think about that. Think about the words that you say. God's calling us to use the words to build people up. So we had this metaphor going. When I got through preaching last week, uh, Chad came up to me and asked me if I knew anything about this Japanese researcher who looks at this metaphor the same way, the positive words on water. Now, if you'll learn anything about me, I, I, I love science. I love chemistry and all those kind of things. So he intrigued me when he said that. So I began to go and look and try to see what this guy had done. And, and apparently what he did was he took droplets of water and he would either speak positive things into the water droplets or he would speak negative things into the water droplets. And what he saw was that as a result of just the words, that there was a reaction that the water had. And I want to show you a few pictures. Y'all look at this first picture that comes up. The one to your left is when he spoke the words, you fool. The word to the right was when he said, thank you. Let that sit with you for just a moment. The difference in just words. Look at this next one. This is the pattern that developed when he spoke into this water droplet, I hate you, I want to kill you. I hate you, I want to kill you. Now look at the pattern when he said, I love you. And then he did an amazing thing. He took two droplets from the same body of water. Look at the first one. Then he took a second droplet, like I said, from the same body of water. And look how it responded. The only difference was he prayed over that droplet. Do you see the natural biological reaction that water had to words? Now, as a biochemist, what's your body made of? 60% water. Words matter. The words that you say make a difference. Let me just invite you this morning to just think about this. How would the world be different? How would Stockbridge, how would Henry County be different? If every single one of us in the room this morning made a decision that we were going to walk out this door and we're going to live out this Bible verse, that we're going to use our words to build people up. We're going to use our words to edify people. I want you to just sit, seriously think about the difference. Imagine yourself driving through a drive through and you're getting ready to approach the window, imagine if you decided that every word you said was going to be to build that person up. Even if the order's wrong, you're going to build them up. Imagine if you're in the checkout line at the grocery store and you realize every word you say to the person in front of you and behind you is to build them up. Imagine if on Saturday morning when 300 families are sitting out here 
on our campus if we were intentional to say we're going to go and use words and we're going to build people up? Folks, you don't have to play soccer. You can walk out here and just walk around and tell every little kid, good job. You're doing great. Man, that was awesome. They don't have to know that you even watched the game. Imagine what it means when you speak life into them. See, we don't have to go to Africa to change the world. Maybe God's calling you to that. You don't have to give away all of your wealth to, 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 to be uh, used by God. Just give him your words. Imagine what a difference we could make if we actually chose to live this out. I invite you this morning to let that be your prayer. Let that be your desire. Let that be your hope is that you walk out this door and every word you say is used to build people up. Let's pray. Most gracious God, we are so thankful that we can gather and that your word can, can convict us. That you can show us when we compare our lives to, to the word of truth that we can recognize how, how we fall short. But I pray, God, that we can't stop there, but that we turn and we recognize that we have an opportunity to actually live out this Bible verse. That this is something that we can actually do. That we can be people of, of words of praise and grace and mercy and kindness. That we can walk out this door today and we can have a desire to, to, to live it out. I pray, Lord, when we get frustrated, when we get angry, when we get uh, uh, confused, Lord, I pray that we, that we don't let our words change to words of negativity and destruction and tearing people down and unwholesome talk. Help us to think about this passage of Scripture. Help us to, to think about James' words where he tells us to, to be slow to anger, quick to listen. I pray, Lord, that you can help us to, to recognize that we have an opportunity right here, right now to make a difference in your world. And that every word from our lips will be words of praise to you, glory to you, power to you. That we can recognize that you are a God of mercy and grace and power and might. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.